0: Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to God. We just bless God in this place, in the majestic name of Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Are you determined to trust God? Even when the odds are stacked up against you, we were just listening to, I'm determined by Nutritia. Hey, she said, are you determined, are you determined to trust him, amen, in your ups and in your downs, in your going and in your coming, amen, in the storms and the trials and the tribulations, oh yes, it's time to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding and then always acknowledge him so that he may direct our path amen amen and amen you are listening live to the scribes hang out broadcast on the kingdom's influencers broadcast network here At the Scribes Hangout, we are dedicated to bringing the voice and the heart of the scribe to individuals around the world. This is the hangout spot for book lovers, authors, artists, fans, business owners, and those who desire to be inspired. I am your host, publisher, author, and TV and radio personality, Deron Shea Zorn. And I would like to welcome you to the Scribes Hangout on tonight. On tonight, we definitely have a very, very amazing, unique, powerful, anointed woman of God with us on tonight, on tonight. And I'm just so absolutely excited to have her with us. I I am going to give her, I'm going to give you a little bit more background about her a little bit later on in the broadcast, in the broadcast as we uh, dive a little bit deeper into uh, show on tonight but we have this special guest by the name of dr april and she is the author of stretch Thin: finding balance working and parenting children with special needs author can you say hello to our audience on tonight
1: oh and thank you so much for having me on the broadcast this evening
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm absolutely excited, and it is our honor to have you tonight with us. Audience, Scribe Hangout family. Scribe Hangout family. We are going to have a a powerful time as we discuss um, this Arthur book on tonight. So what I would like for you to do is to go ahead and share this broadcast on your social media platforms. You can share it on your social media platforms. You can email, send out the link, even right from the app so that those that you know can get in on this conversation. Look, it is something that I have uh, come to know. Right, is that look? We all need to find balance in some form, shape, or fashion in our life, as balance is absolutely important. But most, but also in addition, with finding balance, um, in, in life when you are parenting a, a child or children, you know, with special needs. And this is the thing here you do not know many of times parents are going through situations and circumstances, you know, with their children. Some may give you um, the information of, of what's going on in their life, and some may just keep that private within themselves. So you just don't know. So if you know have anybody with parents, I mean, anyone with children that you know, you definitely want to share this with them um, as well, as well. Because at the end of the day, parenting and working, all of that need balance within itself. But then to add um, a special, uh, a child or children with a special need that just adds a whole nother level or degree of balancing that one have to Um, adjust to, adjust to. And so even with life adjustments uh, altogether, I just know that this is going to be an absolutely amazing, amazing show that can definitely impact the lives of those that you know um, as well. So just go ahead and share it on your social media platforms. You can email the link Um, to someone you can of course look tweet it out and all those great and powerful wonderful things so that those that you know can listen in on tonight in addition in addition if you have any questions any questions any comments and you surely know that we'll pray for you as well you can dial in at 563-999-2090 um, access code two five seven eight five one. Let me give that number again. The number is five six three nine 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 two zero nine zero. Your access code will be two five seven eight five one. Um, amen, and, and we're we'll definitely um, here. So you can, for any questions, comments, or prayer requests that you may have, and so we're definitely looking so forward, so forward to um, having you in the studio with us on tonight. Um, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So let us go ahead and get started. We're going to first start with prayer. We cannot move any further in this broadcast without having prayer without having prayer so let us get started here oh gracious lord we thank you as we commit this broadcast in your hands that you will amen do everything that you need to take place on tonight that father god we thank you for taking over The airways and letting your glory just move, oh God, through the network systems to your people around the world, throughout the nation, touching their hearts and touching their minds so that they may be encouraged and inspired. In the things of you, O God, that they, O God, may be healed, that they may be set free, that their minds shift, O God, may begin to take place, so that, O God, they may be strengthened in the journey. We thank you for the food that will be released on tonight through your daughter as, O God, you just use her, O God, to impart the wisdom that has come upon her, that you have given unto to to her oh god through oh god personal experience revelation and, and oh god that has taken place in her life and we thank you for her journey we thank you oh god that she have went before other people and lord god and because she have went before other people now lives can be saved and preserved oh god in in the name of jesus that because she have went before and have the courage to stand boldly and tell her story to be a testimony unto the lives of other people. Do that, O oh God, in which You have strengthened her for the journey. We thank you, O God, for her continuing strength, for you continuing, O God, to give her what it is that she needs as she continues to walk, O God, that in which you have placed before her, conditioning her for that in which you have positioned and called her to help, O God those others in life find this balance that is needed find this power amen finding you oh god the power and the strength in you to persevere and press toward the higher mark oh god within their journey and so father we give you glory we give you praise and lord we bless oh god the work of her hand speak blessings over this book i speak blessings oh god on everything that you're placing in her heart oh god those things that is even to come Uh, we thank you oh god hallelujah thank you jesus for support that she has and in and lord god and even those different things that you are calling forth and you're setting in place oh god so that lord god that she can be a further help in the journey For parents, guardians alike, who have uh, in similar situations or backgrounds, giving them what they need to let them know that they can surely do all things through Christ that strengthens them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. To copy the quarry, thank you, Jesus. So now, the all the preliminary stuff is out of the way. Well, oh, we got one more thing. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Let us thank our sponsors on tonight. We would like to thank D Technology for your partnership. If you ever have a business need, they have the solution for you. D Technology is your one-stop shop for. Business solution. Go ahead and visit them at www.dtechnologyweb.com That is www. the letter D T E C H N O L O G Y W E B. dot com. My God, my God. So any business need, go visit D Technology. My God. Amen. And so now as we move forward on, we do want to thank everybody for sharing this broadcast on your social media platform so that those that you know um can get in on this conversation and getting the information out via text, via email, sending out the um the sending out the radio app as well. We do thank you. We thank you. Um, without you um, we could not spread we could not spread um the work that we do um around the world around the world and so I do give great um um, great, a kudos to you guys for the work that you guys do um, in our journey. And again, anytime doing this broadcast, you can definitely call in at five six three nine 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 two zero nine zero with your access code two five seven eight five one to ask any questions that you may have to our special guest, any questions or comments that you may have. In addition, you definitely know that we will pray for you. So let us go ahead and get started. We won't um, prolong this interview any longer. I'm going to let you know just a little bit more about her, and then we're going to dive in this powerful book. Again, we do have this dynamic woman of God, Dr. April, in the studio with us, and she is the author of Stretch Thin, Finding Balance, Working and parenting children with special needs. Now, this dynamic woman of oh God, she was born in New York, but raised on the beautiful island of St. Croix, United States Virgin Islands. April has worked tirelessly to advocate for the needs of children. Her passion for children began when she was a teenager working at a local orphanage, which then led to her initial journey as an educator at the Florida State University. Dr. Lesborn is an active public education, school psychologist, and mentor to new teachers. It is out of her passion for families that Dr. Lesbon has embarked on a journey to help families and caregivers relieve fears associated with caring for children with exceptional needs. Dr. April J. Lesborn is a family coach and empowerment speaker who helps motivate and equip families of children with exceptional needs with Knowledge on how to purposefully develop and practice self-care skills while passionately living a healthier lifestyle in their careers, relationships, and health and wellness. Her most recent book, Stretch Thin, Finding Balance, Working, and Parenting Children with Special Needs, was birthed out of her own life experience as a parent raising two children with exceptional need. Dr. Les Bern's vision is to one day inspire one million families to discover that they have the power to make a difference in the lives of their children and other families raising children with exceptional needs what a vision i really i really applaud you on that dr abel uh, again welcome to the scribes Hangout with us on tonight my god thank you so much so let us get started in this interview and your book title I'm I'm always interested in titles. I, I love titles, and so um, when I when I when I look at titles, I I just have so many things come across my mind, and I always love to get the mind behind the title, and so I want to start there tonight. Um, what what provoked the title of this book? You know what? Um,
1: that title basically um, started towards the fall of last school year where I felt like I was actually losing control of um, who I was as a mother, um, who I was as a woman, and who I was as a professional school psychologist. I found myself um, specifically uh, not taking care of myself health-wise to the point where I was overly tired, had no clue that I had something medically wrong with me until something actually happened (laughs) Um, to me. And I found myself being in a place where I was becoming very distant from my children, um, becoming very agitated with my children, even though they weren't doing anything um, except for being children. And I was like, you know what? I'm to the point where if something doesn't happen, I'm going to pop. And so, as I envisioned where my life was going at that period of time, um, I saw, you know, those was one of those big, thick rubber bands? Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was being pulled in every single direction, you know, trying to be right um, and do right as a single mom with three children and, um, you know, fulfill my duties as a school psychologist. And I felt like it was almost like um, a tug of war between work and, um, and once again, just being a mom. And so the rubber band just kept going and going and going and it, you know, it just kept getting thinner and thinner. And that's where that part of the title came in. I'm like, I am stretched so thinly in so many different directions that if I don't get a grip of myself, um, I basically said, April, one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to end up in a psychiatric ward or you're going to end up 16 under. So that's
0: where that book basically came from. Okay, wow. Wow. <laughs> I thought through the realization that that's just very, very um, powerful. Even the analogy, you said, look, it's just like you just see the rubber band just stretching further and further and further away. And we know sometimes that the, it, when those bands get um, too stretched that it breaks. and. When it breaks, <laughs> you know um, the the capacity to put it back together again, um, and it was is no longer there for that. But um, there's just just life, and so I was in in the book, and I was in the book, and your and you have it broken down into several sections, and your first section is called it's titled my life. Yeah. And you talked about how, you know, you, you, you was a dreamer, and then, of course, you know, in your passion, where your passion, how, well your passion um, started from, and you know, how you used to work in the church, volu- I mean, well, volunteer, volunteer um you would volunteer um, with children in the, in the church and things of that nature and then of course you um, you found yourself um, um having spending time at a at local orphanage there and you develop this passion for children you develop this passion um for children And so let's just talk about, you know, uh, and and I know there, you know, because a lot of people work with, you know, with children and and things of that nature or have worked around children, but um, a a spark of of passion to have it as a life career, um, you know, many haven't just made that mark. So I just want to talk about that moment in time, um, that day, if you can go back that far and um, if you can go back there, that just. Um, the fire for children um, just begin to uh, burn on the inside of you for you to just make the decision that you know what this is the journey that I want to take
1: oh absolutely you know um, it was kind of sort of a very weird position because it was you know um, in a place where it was like coming towards you know um not really graduating from high school but you know all your applications back in the day for school you know community service was a big component and i didn't have any community service opportunities and so my great aunt um while we were on st croix in the virgin islands she had a lot of connections on island and she was like you know what, april um you always talk about children why not work at the local orphanage and so, you know, my original plan was just to go there, get my clock hours, and put it on my application. And um, it was one of those things where, and I still, to this day, um, almost, guess 15, 16 years like ago, almost 27 years later, I still remember the three children that um, that changed my name, that mm-hmm. changed my life. And I still remember their names because they were my babies. My baby. And um, those three children, were so filled with life, were so filled with love, and even as a teenager, I just couldn't understand why those three children were never adopted. Um, and I remember begging my mom and saying, you know, mom, you know, can you adopt these, these, these um, you know, these children because they're really great, and you know, I can be their big sister, they could be, you know, my little siblings, because I was an only child. Um, for my mom and so you know mm. not realizing the dynamics of you know being able to support a child <laughs> the mm. only thing I kept thinking about how great and how wonderful these children were um, and you know each one of them had a part of my personality that I love and um, the one her first name starts with an A she was very sassy like me you know lovable huggable but she didn't take any minutes um, the other one her name starts with a G and you know she was just the one with like I am going to make you work for my affection, but when you do, um, and if I trust you enough, I will give you all the loves and hugs that you want. That was her. And then my other one, he was 18 months old at the time, and his name started with an R. And he was just, he just had these big, bright eyes, but every time he would see me when I would come to the orphanage, he would basically uh, walk real fast, fall down, because he just wanted to give me love and you know it was one of those things where it did two things for me one it made me appreciate um you know all of the opportunities that i had you know growing up um, on the island but more importantly it made me realize that you know these children didn't have a voice and i wanted to be their voice but i did not know how um you know at, at an early age as a teenager So after I left the island and I went to school and, you know, I tried to think of all the different ways I could, you know, be an advocate for children Um, Mm -hmm. and didn't know how, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer, but I was like, well, God, I don't want to be a lawyer. And then the next thing you know, I'm separating children from families. That's not what I want to do because I remember how those children were separated from their families. And then I'm thinking, I thought about being a, you know, a marketer. You know, and I was like, well, God, I don't want, you know, I don't want to be marketing products. And then the next, you know, we have children, you know, who are eating junk food and things that are not healthy. So I said, I don't want to do that. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher because both of my parents were teachers. I was like, you know what? I've seen all of the concerns my, my mom had in the classroom setting. I said, I don't have the patience to teach. So I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. So... You know, I really did not know how I was gonna go about advocating for children, but I knew that was something that I needed to do. And, um, and so those three kids were always in uh, my mindset as to, you know, whatever you do, April, make sure that you can be the voice for those children who do not have a voice. And that kind of sort of eventually um, led me to becoming a
0: school psychologist. Okay, awesome 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 i i love it the, the voice the voice you know you was talking about being that voice for the voiceless you know uh, the, you know the voice and i just just think about just the voice in the wilderness you know being that voice in the wilderness um and and just being being able to speak up for those and so and so, school the psychologist were, was your way or the way that that you came about to finding you know through your um your reasoning to be able to give mm-hmm. give that voice, that voice with the children, mm-hmm. and so I, I just think it is absolutely um, amazing, absolutely wonderful. Here, you talk about in your book as you were. Um, let me get here. I'm looking for. You talk about here in the book that um, the road less traveled. And you talk about um, even in your early um, stages of choosing your your field of study and, you know, um, maybe getting more of the research um, that was needed to understand um, the role that you was getting ready to travel, that, you know, that would have been something that you definitely would have considered. Um, you know, it's something you would have considered. But you talk about, you know, nobody understanding um, the role and the responsibility of being a school psychology and, and being, and that being a lonely road. That being a lonely road.
1: Oh. Um, oh, you know what? Absolutely. I would love to talk about that. Actually, I did my dissertation, a <laughs> component of my dissertation on that. Okay. Um, because I, I will be honest with you. Um, in the, first of all, in the field of school psychology, um, there aren't a lot of minorities. Um, the field right now is predominantly um, dominated by um, white females. Um, really when I was in my cohort group, um, there were a total of eight of us. I was the only uh, African-American school psychologist um, even going through the program. And even within that program, I can remember to this day, and I started that program in 1997, my first professor was um, a white, school, a white um, adjunct professor. So she was in the field, so she knew school psychology in and out. And I remember her telling me, she was like, you will not make it as a school psychologist because you don't have what it takes. And that literally broke my heart. And throughout the years as a school psychologist, that's something that we continuously fight every single day because we know what the special education regulation tells us, both at the federal level and at our district level, but sometimes, you know, it's very difficult for administrators and for teachers and even for parents to understand that every difficulty a child may experience has nothing to really do with special education or having some type of disability. Sometimes it can be a curriculum mismatch. Sometimes it can be a personality conflict between the child and the teacher or just the child in that classroom environment. And so, you know, you as a school psychologist, you know, there's one point that I always talk about. You know, they used to call us the gatekeeper of special education because it's one of those things where A large proportion of um, our report writing and our assessments really drive whether or not a child is found eligible for special education services and so sometimes when you have those eligibilities where a child does not qualify for services people um, you know whether the parents teachers administrators or everyone together you know you end up looking like the bad guy because it's like you did not want to help this child and you're thinking to yourself, that's not the case when compared to whatever the norms are, this child is making progress. Not only is this child making progress, but this child truly doesn't have a disability. You know, and that's very difficult for people to see because the only thing they're seeing is what's going to happen if my child doesn't pass these state standards. You know, and that's a conflict I still have even with being a parent. It's like we put so much pressure on children to pass the the end-of-the-year test, that we forget to teach them. Does that make sense? And so, so many kids have so many emotional difficulties because their focus and their emphasis is on passing these exams and getting these numbers that they've lost sight of what it means to be a student, that they've lost sight of what it means to be a lifelong learner. And not only that, they just lost, they literally lost sight of what it means to be a child. You know, and so as a school psychologist, you know, we always for so, we always look at the bad guy, you know, because it's like, you don't want to help this child. And it's like, no, what I don't want to do is to make a child, qualify a child as having, and I hate to use this word, but I am, qualify a child for having a handicapping condition, knowing that depending on the classification or the placement, the, the categorical placement, that this, cannot, this can literally impact this child for the rest of their lives. You know, and so for me as a school psychologist, and I know for a lot of my colleagues, that's a hard balance to make because we know that once this label is placed on this child, there's no guarantee that it will be removed. You know, and when this child is ready to go out into the workforce or go to college, that disability classification can basically limit their opportunities, and we don't want to do that. So that's why I say it's it's really, it's the role less travel. You know, it is a very lonely road because, like I said, we as school psychologists understand, you know, the long-term effects of having a disability classification. And we don't want to err on that, you know. So that's how I wrote that, that, that particular chapter.
0: Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. I, you know, you said quite a few interesting things that that you brought up and and, and I'm absolutely excited that somebody is looking out for the best interest of mm-hmm. of the child versus, you know, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Versus the comfort of others. Yep. I, I just absolutely mm-hmm. love that. So I definitely commend you on that all by itself. But I am I'm interested in a couple of things. Uh, one of the things I'm interested in is, um, you know, you said that your professor said that you wouldn't make it in the field, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I see years now you're still there. You made it, <laughs> yes, but I'm yes, just ma'am. so I'm just <laughs> curious about what was her thought. I mean, what provoked her thought, or even if she told you what provoked her thought um, in that about you making it. That's the number. That's one the first question, and the other question I wanted to know is how do you um recover how can parents recover um their children from um being in a place or an environment where it's so test driven um or even how can teachers you know make a ba- bring a balance to where it's not so mm-hmm. test driven where they they lose the children are losing the capacity of how to become life learners How can we put a balance in in the life of all of that so that um, we won't keep producing um, we won't keep producing um, um, adults by the time they finish school adults who um, have a limited capacity of of, of having learning uh, being able to learn versus um, versus being just oriented or driven in just this one particular area, but leaving out everything else that is needed to, to make up the whole person. Absolutely. Um,
1: you know, so, so basically to answer your first question as far as uh, that particular professor, I think, um, like I said, she was an adjunct professor, so she was just coming from in the field. And I think, once again, it just, you know, I can only assume that it, just, it was just very interesting to, to see um a person of color in the classroom because even back then like i said before and even today the dynamics of minorities um in special education as school psychologists in non-urban setting is few and far between um and so to find someone um in this protect- particular profession I- I- i'm thinking it was probably kind of strange for her um you know and um and she really probably just didn't know how to, how to take me, um, you know, because I, I was never one of those people. T- I've always worked against the grain. Um, like I tell people, I said, I am not your typical school psychologist. I don't follow, you know, the roles as far as how it's laid out in the book as far as what school psychologists to do um, are supposed to do and what they're supposed to look like and what they're supposed to act like. That's just not me. That's not my personality. Um, and. And so, unfortunately, I did not fit her particular mode of what she felt like a school psychologist should be based on her experiences in the field. And, um, you know, it was just, it was very, like I tell people, you know, that first year was very gut-wrenching. I really questioned um, whether or not I had what it took to be a school psychologist, because here I am thinking, you know, this person is literally in the field, you know, she's doing what I want to do, and if she's telling me that I'm not good enough, well, Maybe I, I guess I'm not good enough, um, and so every single, even and I only have a, for one class, but every um, every semester that always stuck out with me, and so I worked even harder, you know, to excel in my program because I was like, you know, I know this is the place that God has called me to be. I don't know how He's going to get me out here, but I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to be successful. So I, like I said, I think a lot of it probably, you know, had to do more so with. You know, just being surprised to find I've seen a black person, you know, in the classroom talking about she wants to be a school psychologist, because you know, even to date, you know, and that was 20 years, 20 years ago, we still there's still a limited amount of minorities um, in in special education as school psychologists, um, especially when you move away from urban settings, and this was in a you know a rural kind of college town, so you definitely didn't see you know, um, African-Americans in the role of school psychologist. Um, so now to Thank answer you. your second question, you know what, the, the test-taking component, like I tell people, is very um, political-driven um, because, once again, it's assumed that, you know, by having children, um, you know, prove that they've learned stuff towards the end of the year by taking these um, tests that can last a month or so that um, it shows that we are effectively um, teaching them. However, um, you know, once again, that sounds great in theory, but for many, many, many children, and even for teachers, you know, they know that that's just not the best way as to how students learn. Um, And so, but but they have to do it because that's what, you know, the school district tells them, you know, after you finish teaching these kids for one full month or, you know, two months, it all depends on every school district in state, you know, you're required to test a child's knowledge. And so um, one of the things that I try to tell parents and that I do with my own children is that I just um, focus less on the numbers. And, and I get, you know, and I want my, my children to do well on the exams. I want my children, you know, to put their best foot forward. But I don't want them to think that, um, you know, those numbers, that a sign number is the end all, that be all, and that it basically defines who they are as an intellect. Um, And I think that's the harshest thing that that these tests have created um, for our children and why so many of them, you you know, have, like I said, you know, underlying emotional kinds of things going on is because... You know, when teachers, you know, do the prep work, um, as far as getting kids excited, you know, the thing is, well, if you score this particular number, you have the opportunity to earn this great reward, you know, or if you get this perfect score, you know, you'll get this amazing certificate, and so it creates this unwarranted anxiety for children that shouldn't be because they're trying to get that magic number, and when they don't get that magic number, then they feel like they're not smart enough anymore, you know, and that then impacts them for an extended period of time. For some children, it may impact them, you know, just not over to the summer, and then they try to beat their score. Or, you know, it can impact them for, for, an ex- for even longer a night. Like, for example, I can take my own son, um, not my oldest, um, but my middle son. He actually took some state standard tests um, this year. Last year was his first year. And so he knew his score from the year before and he was so anxious because the thing is, I've got to do better than I did the last time. I've got to do better than I did the last time. And this year he scored the same number. And he was crushed, you know, because he felt like he wasn't good enough to even increase the score by another two to five points, you know. And so I had to remind my son, I said, honey, you know, you've done all you can do throughout the year. Look at the wonderful progress you have made. This one score does not define who you are as a student. You continue to make your progress um, based on your rate and pace. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we we as parents and as educators need to tell children, you know, as they're going through the process of taking these assessments. Because like I said, until, you know, district level professionals, states, and the federal government say, okay, we're not going to become, we're going to get rid of this test happy um, society that we've created, the tests are still going to be here. I just think it's just the way how we deliver it to our children where we don't feel like the test and that magic number that we need to get is the end all that be all. We want to tell our children, we want you to do your best, be successful, but just know that if you don't get that magic number this time, we know that you have the ability to, make, to get it the next time as long as you know that you've done your best. Now, like I tell my children, if you haven't done your best, you get the score that you get, you know, but you, if you know that you've done your best... And that's all i can ask of you and i think that's something that teachers and um you know parents really have to share with their kids that you know taking away the anxiety and the worry and the fear about taking these tests allow kids to be kids and to breathe through these assessments so that they can be the best that they can be regardless of once again like i said what that magic number is so awesome 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 um that's
0: that's very good um i want to um Come to this to point. I want to go to part two. Meet the boys. Yes. Meet the boys. Meet the boys, and you know we just want to you know meet them here, you know very briefly. Um, mm-hmm. very briefly here, and so you know here, you know you're in this career as a um a school psychologist and. And now, you know, just like, you know, most people, then life changes, you know. Now you have um, kids, you know, you, you had your first child and, you know, and things of that nature. And then you found yourself um, in a place where um, with your oldest child, and you talked about how he just wasn't able to express himself. And when you um, went to have him evaluated, have evaluated in mm-hmm. Um, and how it how the change are events um that begin to take place in in your life due to that. Um I want mm-hmm. to have some conversation about that here, that diagnosis and that here. And then what you being a, a school psychologist who are familiar with what was going on, um, what what was being said to you about your son was familiar with it. But being one now having to um, have that that um, that diagnosis um, with with your with
1: your own child. do will have a conversation about yes. that. Yeah. Um, you know <laughs> Okay, so like I tell people, you know, it's one thing when um, when you are sharing this information, you know, with with other parents about their children. It's another thing when um, the tables are flipped on you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So um, I, what I would tell you with, um, with, with my youngest, with my youngest um, son, it was a little bit easier to um, see and to handle with him because he didn't have any language. He was just a straight screamer. So I knew that he had a communication delay. With my oldest, um, I just thought he was going to be a late talker, you know. And um, and I'm t- because everything else he could do, um, you know, was basically, um, you know, able to identify all the upper and lowercase letters of the alphabet by the time he was 22 months. Um, you know, very very smart, very you know, creative, you know, very curious. So I really didn't have any concerns with him um, except for the communication. And even in that, I didn't because on both sides of our family, you know, we have people who have speech and language impairments. So I was like, okay, you know, you have it on one side, you have it on the next side of the family, you know, it's bound to happen. So for him, for my first child, I really didn't think, didn't think anything of it. You know, worked with a couple of colleagues. And it was like, well, you know, sometimes boys are late talkers. You know, boys are always, they're always a little bit later than girls, you know, because that missing, um, missing strand on, on the Y chromosome to make them an X. I said, okay, yeah, that's right. Girls always grow faster than boys. I said, he would grow out of it. Um, and when he didn't, and I took him to early intervention, and, you know, I was going in, I wasn't going in as mom. I was going in as mom slash school psychologist. Because, once again, having worked as a preschool psychologist, I knew, you know, all, the, uh, all of the criteria that was necessary, you know, did it for so many years. Um, but, when, but when the person came back, cause, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, in hindsight, um, two things I would tell people, um, sometimes it's best to stay in your own lane versus trying to be the expert. <laughs> Um, because I, for me, I think that created more mental anguish um, than anything. And then two, if, if you can avoid doing it being pregnant, avoid doing it being mm-hmm. pregnant. Because I was actually pregnant, seven, seven seven and a half months pregnant with my um, second son um, when I had, t- had taken my first child to, to early intervention. So to make a long story short, um, when the person mentioned the word autism, it was well after the fact. Um, of him having doing his assessments and all those things of that nature, because even as he was doing the little swaps, testing everything for my son, you know, he, he, my son didn't exhibit did any of the classic, um, the textbook kinds of behaviors that you would accept for children with autism. And so when he just haphazardly said, "You know, I think your son may have autism," I was like, "What?" I was like, "I'm thinking to myself, who are you to tell me <laughs> that my child has?" has autism. I should know, you know, I've been doing this at that point in time. I was like, I've been doing this for almost seven years. You know, I'm the person who's a school psychologist, basically quote unquote, I'm the person who's the expert. If anyone should pick this up, it should be me. And I was like, Nope, my child doesn't have it. And so I told myself, well, I, you know, I said, you know, okay, whatever you think I said, but I really don't think that's what it, that is what it was. Um, but I knew, um, you know, that, that there was something different with, with my son um you know but i just didn't know what it was you know and for, for me that part of my journey was the hardest because like i said my son even to this day um now that he's gotten older you can really tell you know some of the some of the quirkiness but um but when he was younger like i said he was just your textbook rambunctious you know toddler nothing that would actually stand out um you know that 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 he actually had any type of disability especially autism um and so when i consider and think through that chapter you know um just briefly like i said with, with my second one you know having a thought of, of autism, when i saw my second one i was like oh yeah you you definitely spectrum because like i said he was a hitter he refused to use language all he wanted to do was scream and point that was that was our life um you know but turns out he just had a communication delay um, no y kinds of stuff, and I'm like, how in the world did he own this? I was like, how did I miss that one? I was like, you know, because as I, I think, if had I had caught on to it um, sooner, I probably would have had had better resources for him when we were um, living out on the west coast. So, yeah, that was an interesting
0: period of time. <laughs> yes, and um, and and I'm sure, you know, I'm I'm absolutely sure. With you know trying to grasp, you know the the thought of um, parent parenting, parenthood is one whole um, dynamic change in life itself. Yes. Especially uh, this is your first child, you, never, yes. you don't have kids, yes. you know you that's yes. a that's a dynamic shift. <laughs>
1: it is. It, it really was. And like I said, you know, um, and not only was my like you said it was my. First child, so that wasn't what I was expecting, and I, I remember praying and asking God, you know, to cover my children and to, you know, bless my children, and and I think that was the point where I was really angry with God over over years because I was like, I prayed and asked God, you know, to ensure that none of my children had any type of special needs because of what I experienced working in schools and after so many years of watching the tears and the heartaches from parents. I was like, okay, I can't go through this. I was like, yes, Dad, I know I'm strong, but that right there, I can't go through that. And so it was one of those things where it was like, not one child, but two children with disabilities? I'm like, God, you got jokes, <laughs> You know, I can laugh at it now, but for many years, I cried because I was like, how could you do this to me? You know, I was like, I prayed and I sought you, you know, and I did everything right. And it seemed like no matter how much I did right, my children still had special needs and I just didn't understand how that happened. You know, um, like I said, you know, it was like, once again, it was much more difficult with my first because I was like, God, I'm doing everything right, everything you tell me, you know, to, I hate to say it, to avoid having a child with a disability because once again, you know, in my profession, I knew the end result. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. And I just, <laughs> I just didn't want that for my children.
0: Not like that, that, Like any parent. <laughs> Right, that that definitely, definitely makes sense. Um, and wow, you, you make this statement and I'm just here thinking about um, individuals. So I, I really have two questions and I, I'll come back to this one that mm-hmm. I have. That, you know, for parents who may get that notice, may get the notice, but want to deny it. And, or maybe in a place of denial about it, what what would be your suggestion to that to that individual?
1: What is my suggestion now that I finally um, came to terms with it last well, year? Of course, <laughs> yes. What <laughs> you know? You know what? Um, my suggestion would be to give yourself some time to grieve and um, and to breathe through this process. Um, because like I tell people I as a parent I had to literally come to grips with the fact that there are going to be some things in my son's life that not that he doesn't have the ability to do it but there are going to be some components of my son's life that are going to be very challenging for him um, due to his disability um, and no matter how much I try to protect him from it no matter how much you know we try to equip whip him for it the reality is is that you know society and individuals in our society can be cruel because they just don't understand what it means for an individual to have a disability and so you know i literally had to go through a grieving process um where you know i went through the denial i went through the anger i went through the frustration i went through the tears but then i also went through the process of thanking god for the fact that had this not been my journey, had this not been my story, this book would have never been written um, kind of a process. And once again, allow yourself to breathe. Um, One of the things that I did, you know, um, was I did a lot of negative self-talk as far as April, you know, maybe you should not have taken those prenatal vitamins. You know, maybe you should have got this amount of extra sleep. And, you know, just kind of sort of trying to explain away why this happened to my son you know, and I've never allowed myself to breathe, you know, through the process because the guilt had consumed me so much because it was like, you know, here's this innocent child who didn't ask for this, but this is now his lived experience. This is now his story. Um, so what I would tell people, you know, allow yourself to breathe, allow yourself to breathe. And then once you breathe through this process and you begin to breathe through this process, learn to embrace, this journey. And I always call this a journey versus a lifestyle because, um, every day can be something different. And, you know, when something is a journey, it never ends. You know, you keep going until the road stops. And for me, my road doesn't stop. His road doesn't stop until, you know, God says, okay, you're, you've done your work on earth. My servant, it's time for you to come home now. Um, So by seeing this process as a journey, I know that there are always some roads that we're going to have to travel that aren't going to be very easy. I know there's going to be some roads where we're going to have to get back on the main road, you know, for family support in order for us to make it through. But if we walk through this journey um, with God's grace and with his mercies, we will come out stronger than, you know, the last phase um, on mile marker, you know, number 192. (laughs) We're on number 202 kind of a thing. Um, so, you know, that's what I would tell parents, you know, who are going through this process, give yourself, give, not even give yourself, give yourself permission to breathe. Let yourself know that it is okay to be angry. It is okay to be frustrated, but what you don't want to do is wallow in it and stay in it because it's when you start to get stuck in it of this is your life story that then creates the imbalance within your life whether it be relationships finances emotions um you know physical health is when you get stuck in it and you don't allow yourself to move through the process that then creates the imbalance within your life and like i said you know that's something i had to experience until i finally said i'm grieving this is like a death for me i have to grieve in order to um, set myself free, and to set my son so that I can embrace this lifestyle, this journey we call autism.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome! I, I, I want to um, get into this question or um, here when you were in the book and you were dealing with, you were dealing with um, your 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 first son. This is with your first son, and you know he had had an episode at the school that he didn't start. He didn't yeah. start, but um, I, I guess it was enough for for them to, um, to point, you know, to pull him out or point him out, up uh, uh, with it, and and so you got right. the phone call from the school or whatever or what have you, and when you were you talked in the book at with that particular incident and you're having a conversation with the principal, and he had called another school. Um, for yeah. you on yeah. the behalf of your son and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature. And mm-hmm. you make this statement, you made this statement and I just think it's uh, you know something that to, to talk about today so that others you know who even may be in that it, with the same place in the same place for dealing with any child children with special needs. you says this. It was like all of the wind in my body escaped as I felt mm-hmm. like my parents at my school, in that, I feared that no one would accept my child because of his delay. Yes. Let's talk about yes. that fear being there and the acceptance of people accepting um, yes. your child.
1: Yeah, and 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 I and and what I will preface is that I came off of the heels of. And the, the same type of event that happened two years prior, before we had you know went to early intervention and you know gotten him assessed. So, um, even at two, um, and this is before you know we had any of the development delays, um, that that administrator wanted to um, wanted to basically uh, withdraw him from the school because you know he had a disability, he had some challenges, and the only reason why that headmistress at age two retained him was because we were already in the process of going, having him tested, so she was fine with that. However, um, that particular event that you mentioned, I will tell you that was the hardest component of my life because, once again, coming from the realm of a school psychologist, I felt like, you know, I have prepared these individuals, you know, for you know, my son. You know, I, I have been very open and honest about his disability, um, you know, I explained to them specifically, you know, what works for him, what doesn't work for him. Um, and in that moment, when they called me to let me know that the event that had occurred, I was like, only thing I kept thinking was, my God, he's only four. I'm like, he is only four years old. He's doing what four-year-olds are supposed to do. Um, and like I said, you know, one would think that my child was basically throwing chairs all over the place and, you know, um, you know, wrecking the, 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 the you know, throwing down all the toys and everything. That wasn't the case. He was just emulating another student that came from his other school, not knowing that what that other student was doing was not, was not appropriate. And I'm like, but therefore, <laughs> you know, four-year-olds mm-hmm. do that. Um. But to physically get that call, I was like, you know, and once again, that's that's another one of those grieving things that I finally had to release, um, you know, two years ago, because I still felt that. Um, It was just one of those things where, you know, it was like, I, I was, I became once again angry with God because I was like, God, if my son didn't have this difference, then he would have been able to attend this school you know, and the fact that she had the audacity, (laughs) yes, I still remember it, you know, to call the school up the street was very um, unnerving because I was like, the only thing I kept saying was, you know, my money is just as green as everybody else's money, Um, but my money isn't good enough because my child has a learning difference or my child behaves differently, you know. And in hindsight, as I've gotten older, you know, I realized, unfortunately, that, and this is for any parent based on with a child with a disability, that private schools, they're not required, you know, to accept the behaviors, accept the learning difficulties, because they're not trained to deal with it. But, you know, at that early age, you would expect that, you know, that someone should know that, you know, this is what preschoolers do, and that's developmentally appropriate. Um, But that wasn't the case for my son, and so, you know, I remember him sitting, and I still remember him sitting on the floor playing with two trucks, you know, one truck and one, you know, one of those uh, Hot Wheels trucks um, and car, and he was just as quiet, you know, just enjoying himself, and you know, we're just having this conversation, and I'm just thinking to myself, but you know, I I, I wanted to point to to the headmistress. I'm like, but look at him now. You know what? He is just like your typical four-year-old doing what he's supposed to do, you know? And it was like, and that was just, and it was, it was the first incident he ever had at the school, but it wasn't good enough for him to stay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so when I, I'm like, if that's going to happen to him when he's four, God, what does this mean for him as he gets older, you know? And, and that has always been a fear of mine, you know, and, and a concern of mine, you know? And even to this day, we've experienced so many different things of, you know, people rejecting him because he's different, um, you know, that it always brings me back to that preschool year, you know. This will just continuously be our, 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 our life's path on this journey. You know, he's a cool kid, everybody likes him, but there's always that one person, always that one event that basically reminds us of you are an individual with a disability.
2: So.
1: Very, very, very difficult, even, even to this
0: day, to
1: deal with, and to think through too.
0: Okay, wow. Um, you know, sometimes in life, I mean, just even with that, you know, sometimes when we find ourselves in places where, um, and and what I'm thinking about, you know, being in that place of of, of having someone else to dictate or control you know mm-hmm. um, your, your your life or your actions without giving a thought you know to um, to yourself not giving a thought to you or the situation at a whole sometimes you know I, I know that can bring a lot of frustration and, yeah. and, and, and 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 irritation and just like you said like you have the audacity um, to do something yeah. that I have not authorized you know you to do so i definitely under um, definitely definitely understand this you talk about i, I want to you know go over to um you, you're dealing with you know walking on a shaky faith now i want to I, I just want to deal with the title right here for a second and then i do have a question <laughs> out of here <laughs> what provoked the title of this particular chapter
1: you know what um yeah that's that 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 was one of my. Um, it was the easiest chapter to write, but the hardest chapter to write from the vantage point of um, coming from a background of um, of a faith based background, meaning that you know I grew up in the church, you know, for years, mm-hmm. um, you know, say ten five five by ties, holy ghost still kind of a thing, and it was one of those things where. I felt like God had left me behind. Um, I felt like I had proven myself to God over so many years that, you know, it was like, God, how could you do this to me? I felt like, you know, God, um, you know, how do you say, was denying me of healing um, my son. Um, I felt like, and there was other things that was just going on, you know, within my life, not only with my son, but, you know, with my relationship with my, uh, my ex-husband at the time, with family, with friends, with work. Everything just seemed to be like um, swirling like a big cyclone. And I was like caught in the middle of it, just spinning around in the cyclone, round and around without any um, escape out of it. And I felt like you no know, matter how much I prayed, it was like God literally turned His ear away from me, um, because it was, and of course you know it's always about our timing, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. coming to the realization that our timing is not God's timing. But it's like but god don't you see me on this clock right here i'm gonna need you to look at the clock right here
2: you know kind of a thing
1: um, you know because my clock is saying we need to get this done
2: now and he's like
1: you know what i'm flipping i'm flipping the script i cannot hear you because you are distracting me from what i'm calling you to do mm-hmm. and i'm like look at here i'm gonna need you to focus on me right now because i need help you know um And so there was a point in time where I questioned, you know, did God really exist? You know, I'm like, because it was like, because if you did exist, you should be seeing my pain right now. You should be hearing my cries right now. You should be comforting me right now, and I don't feel your presence, you know? And there was a point in time where, you know, I stopped reading my Bible. I was like, well, if God ain't going to hear me, what I need to read my Bible for? You know, because <laughs> it said the prayers of the righteous avail us much. I'm like, well, I'm praying, I'm travailing, and ain't nothing happening right now. You know, and so there was a point where, like I said, for a period of, of, of years, um, you know, I was like, you know, God, do you even exist, you know? Um, not that I, you know, delve into other, you know, religious kinds of beliefs or anything of that nature. Like I said, you know, I'm one of those people where, you know, I accept other people's faith, but I know where my faith and my background is. And so that's where I, I am and I have always been. But just going through this journey and going through this process and not feeling God's presence, um, you know, really had me to wonder, are you really here to help us? You know, and the more it felt like. The more I perceive, I'll put it that way. The more I perceive that he was not there, the the more I walked away from the faith. Does that make sense? Um, yes. And so that's where I, that title came from. Gotcha,
0: you, gotcha. You. I just absolutely. Um, that's you know that you know many of us or m- many of us, you know, we find ourselves in situations and circumstances and we have this you know right now god <laughs> Look, yes. you know yes. right now you know and you know sometimes you know we in that situation well you know um you know how um satan was in the in the wilderness with with Jesus and said well if you are the Christ and do this and so yes. <laughs> we like if you That's really me. do <laughs> exist god then <laughs> you would heal exactly, exactly. <laughs> you would heal you would hear my voice and, and heal um, and, and yes. heal and because sometimes you know you know we like okay as if he's a genie or something and um if he's a genie or something like that and then sometimes if it just we don't get the results that we feel that we want then of course we abandon ship <laughs> and yes. and all type of things and you know and, and many of people find themselves you know in in that situation um as well and so in, in here you talked about you, you talk about quite a few things. You deal with, you know, um stress being a silent killer and I wanted to it was you talked about irrational thinking. I wanted to go over yes. here where um yes. we're dealing with the irrational thinking. You said here, mm-hmm. um irrational thinking, I know. But you needed something or someone to blame. You he you was looking for somebody or something to blame. And, you know, as life was, you know, happening and even earlier, you know, you was having a conversation and how you was, he was talking in it, you know, like you was blaming God um, about it. So mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about, you know, this, you know, the um, being in that place of irrational thinking and is trying to find in our mindset, some type of solution. You know, because mm-hmm. and I guess it's human nature. You know, what you've been a psychologist, I don't know, a psychologist. Yes. Human yes. nature. We, you know, yes. it, something. I mean, it have to. We have to. Something have to be the point of the object of what's going on yes. to get us to some a rationale yes. to settle with a peace in our mind. So let's kind of just yes. talk about that for a second. Okay. Um,
1: within that particular chapter, you know, that that goes back to um, that negative self talk. Um, you know, something that I have always battled, um, for several years, you know, even when I was a, um, a teenager growing up. And so, you know, trying to create multiple scenarios as to the why this may have happened. More times than not, it was always something negative versus, um, just saying, you know, this is just your, like I said, you hear me say this a lot, this is just the journey that, um, your life is on right now. Um. And so, yes, I needed anything and anyone to blame um, for that title of autism because um, I felt like, you know, once again, my son was not, um, you know, your classic textbook child with autism. Um, and so I felt there was an component where, um, what do you call it? Not denied, but, you know, where it's one of those things where... Um, you were we were we like hoodwinked, kind of a thing where it was mm-hmm. like um, you know uh, close your eyes, then you take a take the take the blindfold off and say there you go, kind of a thing. I was like you know I felt that's kind of sort of what it was. It's like you know you're, you're feeling in the in the in the bag and you're trying to find the the right coin, but you know all the coins feel alike, um, kind of a thing. And so I so I I felt like you know well maybe if I like I said kind of sort of. Maybe if I had not eaten that peanut butter and jelly sandwich with sharp cheddar cheese, you see I still remember it, right? You know, on lightly toasted bread, maybe, you know, <laughs> my child would not have gotten sick. Maybe if I didn't go to Captain D's all those days and ate that, the shrimp with all that iodine, you know, maybe that would not have impacted my child. You know, just, just trying to find an escape route. Does that make sense? Yes. That's kind of sort of where that, that irrational thought came from. I needed an escape gate route because I just could not deal with the fact that I had not one but two children with disabilities one with the potential of um, being on the autism spectrum so I, I the only person who I, I wanted to blame God but I didn't blame God because I was like well God I don't want you to strike me dead <laughs> so you know so that's the only reason I didn't blame him but I blamed everything and everyone else around me um, because I just couldn't deal with it you know, and like I tell people, once you have one scenario thought in your head, then you always kind of sort of change the script, you know, to, to make it either better or worse for yourself. And so for me, I made the script um, even more worse for myself because, like I said, I could not understand how you, April, once again, going back to being that teenager at the orphanage, you know, indicated that you wanted to be the voice for those kids who were voices to be advocate for children and then now you can't even advocate for your child you know kind of a thing it's like how can you how can you truly say that you can help other parents raise their children with special needs regardless of what it, what it is and you can't even get your stuff right at home you know so all those thoughts just came like a whirlwind for me and that's right, and really I- where those you know those thoughts came from
0: Right, and I'm in. As I hear you talk, I'm like, I know you probably thought that okay, this is hypocritical. You know, yeah. I, I'm I'm being very hypocritical because I'm telling my yeah. parents you can do it and giving strategies. I was reading your book and you know how you talk about it as well in the book. You know, get those different mm-hmm. strategies and stuff that you was giving, and but at the same time, you grabbing having that grabs uh, grabbing a hold of what was taking place with you. Um, and and not finding that same capacity um, that yeah. you were using, and even skill sets and things of that nature that you was using um, in the for your and giving to your parents, than you know mm-hmm. doing it in life for yourself um, as yeah. well. I'm just gonna make um, here. Let's go here. And in, in questioning. I'm gonna. I've. I have so much highlighted in your book over here. I'm just trying to get to. I love it. I love it. All right, get over here to the. Let's go over here to the. But another section because I like I said I have so much highlighted, um, because of you know just so many questions. Okay, have to make sure I get to the right highlights. Um, The the right highlights because I want to get into the, the balancing act. Talk about the balancing act. I need a hero. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. a hero, and I think that you know. Um, this is a statement I was gonna make. Is this is a, a, a? I mean, you have so much great stuff in here. Um, but you said before we get over there, you said this, and then I'm gonna transition over to I need a hero because oh Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, you said special education yeah. is a 24 seven. It's 24 seven, and is exhausting. And I found myself feeling like I was losing myself to the fear of failing as a parent and as a. Yeah. Professional, and you go on and on, and so I know, you know this. This I need a hero here. Um, Definitely a part of that. You know that that state or that place of look. Mm -hmm. Do anyone do do everyone see what's going on here? And if so, where are the heroes? Where are those that are here to come into my environment and help? um with you know everything that I'm having to deal with. And so I was listening, I was li- looking in here and you was talking about you, you talked about a life do over and then you begin to talk about how you love music, right? <laughs> and so I was listening to what you talked about, you know, Bar Marley, he's given one of his quotes, but you made this you did this quote here or you made this statement here dealing with Mary J Blige, you know, with her song yes, My near. life. <laughs> yes, <near>. yes. <laughs> she said if you look into my life, what would you see? Mm-hmm. And um and so I want to talk about that. You made a statement directly after that. And you know, dealing with, you know, the mask, you know, what have you? Yes. So, um let's let's talk about why you just even put that particular statement there in the book. Mhm. Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, you know,
1: if, if, if you're not familiar with Mary, um, you know, Mary was, and I hate to say it because Mary went, Mary J. Blige went through a lot of painful events in her life mm-hmm. and through her career. But for many of us when we were in college, Mary really spoke to us because she was so raw and so passionate um, about what she sung about, you know. And so it was one of those things where, you know, when she came out with that song, you know, she she was really asking people, you know, if you really look into my life, do you actually see what I'm seeing? You know, because on superficially on the outside, we're like, yeah, Mary girl, you know, like she's our best friend. You know, we see everything (laughs) that you're going through. Yeah, we see you doing that. But girl, have you heard your music? Mary, you, you on top, girl. You on top, girl what you worried about? Do you see all that money you're making? Hmm. And what we failed to see was the sadness that she was experiencing going through this, through these places, the depression that she was going through through these places, you know, questioning her own identity. Am I really, am I really this beautiful? You know what I mean? Or just people just kind of sort of, you know, just trying to make me feel good, you know, because I'm, and I put it, I'm Mary J. Blige, you know, but do you really know who I am? Do you really know my story? And so I put that there because, you know, I basically, and, and for so many years, you know, people will be like, you know, if you have a really good poker face. And I said, yes, I know. I've had to, cra- I've crafted that over so many years in order to suppress the sadness that I experienced, you know, um, as a person, because like I got tell people I'm very, I, I won't say I'm perfect- perfectionistic, but I'm very orderly and organized. And so if something, and, and, and I'm, you know, and I've always, once again, been a visionary. And so, you know, having the ability to see something through and see it from start to finish, you know, um, it's a wonderful feeling. But when, are, when there are kinks in the process and you're like, that wasn't a part of my vision, that kind of sort of throws you out of gear, out of, out of balance. And so over the years, you know, people will tell you, wow, you have such a beautiful smile. Wow, you always seem so happy. And it's like, I do that in order to mask not, not feeling depressed, you know, because that's where I am right there, you know, at that moment in time. And so, you know, that part of Mary's song was like, you know, if you guys, you know, people always go, like, oh, great, April, you're such a dynamic school psychologist. Wow, you know, you really inspire us. And I'm like while I am inspiring you, I'm losing myself in this process. So that's kind of sort of why I put that that particular, um, you know, quote in there and talking about the mask, and then once again leading into why I needed a superhero, you know, because I felt like I'm always saving the day for everybody else. You know, everybody come to April, you know, what's your problems and all that stuff. But I felt like, you know, sometimes even to this day, I don't feel like I have anyone else to talk to. You know, people want to talk at you um, and tell you what you should be doing, what you're not doing, but, you know, <clears throat> really having people to listen to you and say, you know what, I don't understand what you're going through, but I will pray for you, you know, I will, even even if I don't know how to pray, you know, I will say, you know, I will, I will hold your hand you know, if you need me to get you a one flower from out the garden, you know, I'll get you one flower. You know, whatever it takes to make you smile. Not the superficial smile that you have with your keys and everything, Sean. But to really make you smile with your heart. That's what I'm willing to do. And that's kind of sort of where I need that, that that superhero component came from because like I said I feel like and I, once again sometimes even this I feel like I'm always helping everyone else and when I'm at my lowest of lowest points, there's no one ever around. Health, yeah. Got you. Got you. Like, needs hard because, you know, like I tell people, there, you know, there are limited people even in my my circle that have children with disabilities, let alone a child with autism. Right. You
0: know, so. Right, and uh, and I'm and I'm so glad that you gave out some points on how to be that. um that person that someone can lean on, um, being a listener, you know, we're supposed to be slow to yep. listen, but for some reason, we're just always quick to speak, <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, just, just take a moment and just breathe and listen um, to, you know, to um, what is being said, but, um, I want to transition over to your life goes on um, section Life goes on, stay strong. Walking every mile with hope and promise. Every mile with hope and promise. Here, I want to pull out... Here, staying... You you make this statement. Staying in the ring and choosing to fight is long and tedious. And so I I want to... um, For you to give, give me, give us your thought or your heart behind that particular statement.
1: You know, um, and and like I said, I can only reflect on my personal journey, Mm -hmm. um, raising a child with autism, um, because the, the, this, this journey is very long, um, because you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next, you know, some days, um, Are better than others um and it's when you get to those low days that you know you feel like it's hard you know it is hard um you know raising a child with autism and and not because your child because there's a component in this process you know as my son gets older where you're questioning is this really the disability is this really you being a teenager I'm growing up into being a teenager or is this manipulation, you know, and trying to decipher, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. all three process on top of the autism makes it hard, makes it tiring. And you just don't know if you are coming or going. And so when I wrote that particular component of the chapter, that was what, like a year ago, um, it's very, it was very, I, I say it was very prophetic um, because, you know, yeah, because I, I finished that book, was January of 2017, and a year later, some other things, you know, uh, materialized with my son. And it was like, Ooh, oh, okay, um, this part of the journey I am not familiar with, talking with other parents with children with autism they weren't familiar with, and it's like, um, why is this our journey now, you know? And so it just makes the process even longer. It makes, um, sometimes, you know, it creates goals. It makes you feel like the goals that you set um, aren't attainable. Um, and like I said, you just get tired along this way, especially if you don't have, I say, especially if you don't have other parents, um, you know, to talk to who have experienced the exact same things that you have experienced, you know? And not being able to say, hey, you know, when little Johnny or when Sally went through this, you know, how were you able to deal with it? How were you able to handle it? You know? And so when it's just you by yourself, yeah, it, it's, it's long. It's it's a long, hard road to walk on.
0: I, I can definitely, definitely believe that, especially when you never know what's around the corner. When you yeah. don't know what's around the corner. And, um... And you just don't know what to spec. And so it, yeah. and I, I'm sure sometimes every step um, may bring up, you know, roads of cautionness, or, you know, bring, just throw up the cautious sign, you know, for you because yeah. you just don't know, um, you know, what, what's, what's going to take place. And then especially if you're developing, you're coming to things that are, are, are developing or trend-breaking type of things that have not been... Um, um, have not been um, recognized, or have not happened, um, or in the circle, um, in the circle, or even not just the circle, just in that particular area itself, itself, and so be, Being the first is, you know, that is something different, definitely different, difficult because you have to be the one to experience it, so that now you are the, you now become the model you know, of it and so I could just absolutely um just imagine, you know, just even with all of that just going through. I'm um, just life, um, just not knowing what the next step, the next moment, where the next moment, the next day, um, can take you. So, um, you know, have I even you know, coming from one end or, or one moment to the next, you know, even with this balancing, you know, work all day and then um, Coming to take care of the children, you know things of that nature. What work could have drained you, and then you get here. Like, do I have the energy? You know, exactly. do I have the energy exactly. um, to take it to to the next um, as well? And so you write about here about care, uh, caregiver and, and um, be, you know being a caregiver, and you you put stats in here about uh, you know statistics of of the health of caregivers, you know, with children mm-hmm. of disabilities and things of that nature. So I just want to tell hey, you to talk a little bit about the importance of self-care, the importance of self-care, and, and what can that look like for an individual? Yes, yes.
1: Um, once again, like I said, sometimes life experience is the best um, teacher. Um, because I was not practicing self-care. I was working, you know, still working as a school psychologist, but in a, an extremely stressful school district. Um, and like I said, I ended up finding my own um, health basically deteriorating um, rapidly. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I had to come to grips was, um, and it was kind of scary um, based on the kinds of specialists I had to go and see, was that, April, if you were to die today, who would be available to take care of your children?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know every parent goes through that process, you know, when they have young children, but if you were to die today, um, who would be available to take care of your children? But when you have a child with special needs, um, especially, you know, those, something like autism, you know, not every person is going to want to raise your child. Um, because having a child with autism is, is very difficult, you know, and what I mean by that because you don't know where the disability comes from, and like I tell people, regardless of what side you are on the vaccine debate, no one really knows 100% um, with surety what has um, created, what, what what caused autism and why we have such a rise in autism um, to date, but you know, when you come to that epiphany that, oh my gosh, God, if I were to physically die today because I am allowing myself to waste away because of a JOB and, um, you know, the struggles and the difficulty of parenting, there wouldn't be anyone that I could trust to care for my children because I know the needs,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: the financial stuff that comes with raising a child with autism. And so when I finally got to a point where it's like, April, you're going to have to do better so that you are available and you are here for your children and be able to see your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, you're going to have to do something different, you know. And so a lot of times when we think about self-care, immediately the first thing we think about is, like, oh, we've got to spend money. Well, if you don't have money, you know, then you don't have to immediately say, I don't have time to take care of myself. But one of the things, and, and I could tell people it's hard being a parent with this, um, because, you know, everybody wants to come into the bathroom with you, but take some time just to take a nice Epsom salt bath. Um, that was something that I had to learn to do, and that became my mommy time. Um, I tell my children, um, 15 minutes is all I'm asking. Um, just give me 15 minutes to soak in this tub so that I can um, get myself together. Something as simple as that. Um, another thing that I've learned to do and, you know, doesn't cost a lot um, is, you know, go, uh, I hate to say, go sneak out, <laughs> you know, and get myself some coffee and a donut without the kids, you know, kind of a thing. I'm treating myself without, you know, having the kids um, behind me. Um, that's something that I enjoy doing. Just to, like I said, just the thought of sneaking out, you know, like when you were a teenager, you're like, oh, me and my parents won't let me go out, so I'm going to sneak out the house. That's kind of sort of where I am, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to give, just to get myself being back to, okay, April, you know, this is what you can do because you're an adult, you know, kind of a thing, um, you know, just being able to, just for like 10 minutes listening to, like, I, I listen to rainforest music or, you know, water, you know, just waterfalls, you know, um, before I go to bed at night, you know, whatever it is I can do just to kind of sort of be stressed, um, that's what I will do because... If you don't, you know, you just start to obsess about everything that's not going right, you know, everything that's not working perfectly, everything that's not put together. And the only thing that does is give you more headaches and creates more stress. So, like I said, you know, every now and again, I'll get my nails done, you know, just to to have some me time, Um, but you have to build in quality time for yourself if you want to be the best person for who you are as the individual, the best parent, and the best worker.
0: Awesome, 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 awesome. Self-care, self-care is vital, vitally important. Yes. And, and just as like she said, it's a heightened sense of, um, it's a more heightened alert, alert yes. um, of Look, if you know that that life preservation, just to just so that you can take care of you know of of your loved ones, you know of your of yeah. your children, making sure that you're yeah. available, so um, you're, we're able to help others even the more when we help ourselves, you know. Exactly. Uh, when we we're, we're help ourselves, so we're we're at a better optimized place or state to provide assistance. Yes. Um as well, but you guys know this has been an amazing time at the scribes hang out and um doctor April yes, uh, before there's a there's a couple more other components um that we'll do, but I wanna make sure that we didn't if did i leave did we leave anything out that you desired to discuss um with the people on tonight with the audience. Um, if so, you can do it at this time, and then after that, we'll we'll get your contact information and where to go pick up a copy of this powerful book. We couldn't talk about it all tonight, but we definitely gave you a sneak peek or a preview of kind of the type of uh, things that's in topics and things of that nature that's inside of it as well. So um, go go forth. It's it's over to you, Doctor April. All right
1: you know what i think the one thing um that i just really want to um you know to to share with your audience is that you know regardless of the disability as parents raising children with special needs it's not enough um, for people to just have an awareness of our child's um, disabilities or multiple disabilities um, you know, as times are shifting, as life is changing, you know, one of the things that we see of kind of so that, like I said, you know, as a parent, you know, wondering what's going to happen to my child if I die. Um, for me, for my child with autism, I want them to be accepted by society. You know, I want, I don't want people to see the autism first. I want them to see my son first you know, for the gifted scholar that he is, for the, you know, for the, for the, for the child who can basically, you know, um, watch a YouTube video once or tw- twice and, you know, put together an entire, entire um, you know, Star Wars, um, build this entire Star Wars machine or, you know, build an, a robot within 22 hours, you know, after getting it, you know, uh, a four-feet-tall robot, you know. It's one of those things where I, I want people to accept Children with disabilities and their families as well you know because like I said um, it's bad enough that you know traditionally we all have something that's different about us you know but when you have something that is beyond your control that you didn't ask for and people reject you it makes it even harder so if nothing else if, if you know the greatest takeaway that I want people to know is that it's not enough to be just simply aware about a disability it's time that we start accepting each other's differences so that, you know, we we come to the realization that each and every one of our children, each and every person, um, you know, has something to contribute to society. And if we accept one another, learn to love one another, then we all can do our part, um, to make this world a better place. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Awesome. You know, you have, it is definitely been a phenomenal interview. Um, very informative, as you allowed us to just come into your world briefly, <laughs> thank you, thank to you. your world briefly, and just know, definitely know, we're definitely praying, you know, praying you through, um, and in every, you know, step of the way that you just continue to be stronger in the walk in the journey that that you are taking, and and even you know that you're taking, just so you can be a greater light and an impact um for others and those who are walking behind you those who are walking behind you in in the same um great journey and that um even your life experience and things that you have um endured and went through um can um give someone else you know hope somebody else strength you know um, somebody else make someone else way just a little bit lighter um, a little bit lighter, um, knowing that, um, um, knowing and having what have been available to you, and and given unto you that you're so willingly and openly um, to share to share um, your your life journey um, with other people. And so we definitely, definitely, definitely thank you for hanging out with us at the Scribes Hangout on tonight. i um, Dr. April.
1: Well, once again, thank you so much for having me
0: on tonight. Awesome, awesome. You guys know what? It has been a phenomenal time um, on in the Scribes Hangout, and we do thank each and every last one of you for hanging out with us on tonight as well as as we have been here here talking with um, Dr. April, Dr. April, on this dynamic book wait a second dr april yes ma'am something very vitally important how can the audience get a copy of the book
1: yes ma'am so um the book is actually available on amazon um it is also available on um for nook only on barnes and nobles however um Right now, the cover that's on Barnes and Noble's is not, the, it's the correct book. But it's the the first um, cover that I had on the book. And I've been trying to get Barnes and Noble's to change the um, the cover to the revised um, cover, but they have not as of yet. But um, you can get both the paperback and um, the ebook on Amazon, and you can get the Nook version on
0: Barnes and Noble's. Awesome, 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 awesome. So again, she just told you the location. So. Also, how can the listeners get in contact with you?
1: Absolutely. Um, you can visit my website and that is www.advocacycoaching That's one word.com. Um you can also email me at advocacy at yes, at advocacycoaching at gmail.com So it's all about advocating for individuals
0: awesome 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 um that was your website what about your social media
1: do you have a facebook yes, fan page go ahead Instagram, um, I, okay. I don't have a facebook fan page or a book okay. page just yet um but they can definitely visit my author page which is um on facebook and that is um april j lispon l-i-s-b-o-n L-I-S-S-B-O-N. and so all of my um upcoming books and things that i am doing i'm constantly posting over there Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Also... Do... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, and they can also um, connect with me on Twitter, um, and my handle is Raise Your Vision, visions. That's R-A-I-S-E, U-R-V-I-S-I-O-N-S.
0: Awesome. Yeah. On Instagram.
1: I am not. I cannot figure out how to do Instagram. To save my life. I have <laughs> so many I have like two accounts and I'm like, I don't know how to use this. I'm used to, I know people do pictures, but I'm so used to typing stuff, and I'm like,
0: I don't know how to do this Instagram thing. <laughs> so yeah, you have to do pictures with a typing combination all together. <laughs> so <laughs> it. I hear you. I understand. So okay. Wow, 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 okay. So we have that. We got your contact information, they got your website, they you know where to pick up. Oh, any events or anything that you have coming up that you want to share with the audience?
1: Yes, I do. Um, On July 14th in um, the Atlanta, Georgia area, I will be participating in the um, Atlanta Kickback by the 555 Book Chicks. Um, And that will be at the Infinite Energy Arena, and that's in Duluth, Georgia. That will be Saturday, July 14th from 12 to 4 pm and then i have another event that will be in um, dallas texas on um august the 25th um and that will be a part of the self-discovery um position position and purpose i'm kind of sort of abbreviating that because it's a long title um and that so i'll be in dallas texas and so um and so if people connect with me on Facebook, I can give them all of that information. And then um, I'm also going to be in Baltimore when is it October the 20th for um, a Women's Narrative Conference um, that I'm participating in with the lovely Cheryl the lovely Cheryl Woods, who is an international speaker. Um, so we are still finalizing the details as far as the location and things of that nature. So I do have um, three events that are going to be taking place um, this this
0: year, one in July, one in August, and
1: then the last one
0: in October. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Definitely connect with the woman of God. She's giving out her website, her social media information to connect with her. You know, we have just had an amazing interview with none other than the author, Dr. April, with her book titled Stretch Thin, Finding the Balancing the balance working and parenting children with special needs right here on the scribes hangout where we are bringing the voice and the heart of the scribe to individuals around the world again we want to thank you for hanging out with us on tonight on the kingdom influencers broadcast network and we look forward to you joining us next thursday next week next week at 9 30 P.M. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. Amen. As um we are gonna be talking about you go girl. 25 ways. I'm sorry. 25 ways to step into your greatness with Arthur Chandra Brightnett's pain. And so we're definitely looking forward to next it, definitely looking forward to that interview as well. Your scribe tip for today is simply this. It's simply this. Take a moment. Take a moment and command your time. Command your time by making the decision that you're going to set aside time either every day or once a week so just have a moment of reflection and during your moment of reflection that in that particular time just have your pen and paper near because during that moment of reflection I'm sure that there are going to be thoughts that are going to be very provoking in your mind and in your mindset and and we encourage you to just go ahead and scribe those things, because you never know what that outpour may bring, what may come forth out of just taking that moment in time, the different thoughts that could provoke something great, that could provoke something great, and turn those thoughts um, that 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 is that is um, that comes together through. You demanding your time and taking moments of reflection, so that you can impart something great in the earth, as they it could possibly turn in a book that help somebody else out in the world. So, as we leave here on tonight, remember to take the moment in time, so that you can scribe in Jesus' name. If this broadcast has impacted you, if it has definitely encouraged you, if it has helped you in any form, shape, or fashion, you can go to our website and subscribe to our broadcast at www.kingdominfluencesbroadcast.com slash scribe hang out so that you can stay up to date with everything that we're doing here at the Scribes Hangout. Oh, in addition, surely on, ev- on the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, as well as Twitter, um, um, you can reach us at, scri- at Scribes Hangout or Scribes Hangout is our handler and we we'll definitely look forward to connecting with you so that you can get tips and things of that information um, about scribing so we look forward to being with you next week being with you next week as we continue to bring the heart and the voice to the scribe to you all around the world remember don't forget to scribe until next week